0: Dick shock, deep shark, deep
1: shock <laughs> Next time it's the plank.
2: You, mean, you didn't say you, you have failed this city? I was going to say, <laughs> I want to see Carl dressed in green with a bow.
3: <laughs> you have failed this family. <laughs> but grand.
4: <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 447. I am Master Torgo. Hey, Jeff. Commander K.
1: And Big Black. Good to have you back. This is, this yes, is a sir. voice
4: we haven't heard in a while.
1: <laughs> Glad to be back, guys. Missed uh. y'all.
4: Uh, if, you, if you listen to Geek Shot going way back, uh, Carl, a.k.a. Big Black, has joined us probably about, last time was probably about 100, 150 episodes ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Did I age okay? Yeah, you look great. You don't age
1: at all. I'm trying to keep it that way.
4: You don't crack. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rumor. Now, Andy, of course, is gone this week, so we've asked Carl to step in this week, and we appreciate it. I am more than happy to be here. Now, later on in the show, we are going to discuss Ant-Man and the Wasp with spoilers. But, of course, we'll save that for the end of the show, as we normally do. That way, uh, you can enjoy the show and then join us once you've seen the show, or just continue if you have. <laughs> but, till then, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? I'm trying to think. Oh, wow. Well, it is somebody's birthday today.
2: Oh. That is, yeah. It is Jeff's oh, birthday. Oh, my That's God. Right. That's yes. today. That it today. It is today Happy of all birthday. Happy, Happy birthday, sir. Thank you. I just uh, I had plans yesterday, and uh, they fell through, so Weird. I was running around today uh, taking advantage of the free birthday offers that I get in <laughs> email, like free lunch, free coffee, free Did donut. Did you make it to
1: Baskin Robbins? I didn't
2: make it to Baskin Robbins. Oh. It's not too late. I know. It's not too late. I may still. <laughs> I might do it tomorrow. Who knows? I still have a bunch of them that... I I tried to get the ones out of the way today that were like only valid on your birthday, Uh, and then the ones that are only valid for like a couple of days after your birthday, and then uh, most of the rest of them have like another 20 days or so. So, 20 days? You get. But well, what offers to give, give you? Well, some days. some of them they they email them to you like on the first of the month of your birthday, oh. and they say only valid till July thirty first. So oh, okay, that's so those a strategic the ones, but, birthday. Yeah.
4: That's a proper couponing, right, man? There.
2: <laughs> yes. So uh, yeah, um, gosh, I did see um, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Ah, was it in everything the last you hoped week. it would be? Uh, gotta say, was. I also so far as to say disappointed, but it was just okay.
1: did the kingdom fall
2: it yes yes it did
1: then it lived up to its name
2: but they also set themselves up for a sequel too like of course <laughs> literally literally throughout the film I'm like watching them it it, it was like the most blatant. Uh, stone laying for sequel. Wow, uh, blocks <laughs> I've ever seen is like is like. Oh, here's another block for the uh, sequel, another building block, and uh, oh, there's another one. I'm like, this this isn't a foreshadowing at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was pretty impressive to watch in that respect. But uh, I I think you know without spoiling too much, I just the characters that are introduced in the film, mm-hmm. the new ones and in this, film. the new ones. Uh, as well as the ones that they're carried over from the last Jurassic world. It was very much apparent early on which characters were going to survive and which characters were going to continue on. So at no point did you really feel like any of the core cast that you wanted to survive were in any kind of jeopardy at all. Like it just, that's, that's how it felt to me.
3: What, um, what was it? What, kind of like clues you in on that is it just the way they're written their
2: activity where they are uh, in the plot it's it's the way uh, part of it is because i've seen so many damn movies but the most part of it was uh, for me was the way they set up like the scenes like you know the well <laughs> just using uh, the pitch meeting stuff super easy barely an inconvenience is like uh, how, how are they going to get out of this quandary well here it is. You know, it's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. well, how are we possibly going to escape from this cage? Oh, look, there seems to be a battering ram dinosaur in the in the cell right next to us. I wonder if I, as a animal behaviorist, could somehow figure out how to get this animal to do what its nature intended it to do.
4: So they were kind of like the Sierra online graphic adventures of the 80s and 90s. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, only less, less complicated than the Sierra ones. <laughs> I'm well, that's just how I felt about letter.
1: it. I'm willing to come back to that when the Samuel L. Jackson's character, if his kid ends up on Jurassic World. Right. He's <laughs> like, my dad died in Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, right. Welcome aboard.
0: <laughs>
3: Have that one tech wearing the shirt, and the kid like, looks at the shirt, and he's all like,
2: meh! <laughs> <laughs> right. That'd be good. But yeah. Just okay. Yep, be just Donald okay. Glover. I mean, when, when your major characters are trying to escape a exploding volcano and at no point do you wonder, hmm, I wonder if they're going to get off the island before they get mowed over by molten lava. Nope, I don't wonder at all because I know they're going to get off the island and, and that's how they're going to get off the island. So again, just no, no sense of jeopardy. It's not like the first film where like, the first time I saw the first Jurassic Park, you didn't know who was going to survive and who was going to die. And at no point did you ever feel like any of the characters were safe. Sure, so sure. that's they they, showed,
4: they killed off some characters in yeah. that one. So <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> who
2: uh, who directed? Was it Spielberg again? Or no, no, no it was Spielberg. Else. Uh, it's he, Colin he, Trevorrow, right? I believe. Yeah, I believe oh, he, I believe Spielberg produced, but uh, uh, executive produced. But I don't believe he. Uh, yeah, I, he's actually. Uh, he's like Transformers. He
4: doesn't really have a hand in it. Yeah. Okay. Shows All up, right. signs a check, goes home.
2: Yeah. But.
4: Licenses the property and go to it, boys. Yeah, it yeah
2: basically. It's All like, right. It's like, well, you have my permission and uh, I'll put my name on it and that's where you go.
3: I, um, <clears throat> I played Eldritch Horror, which is a uh, board game that's uh, Lovecraft. Is that the one time. that you played last time? Uh, yeah. Okay. We, we played another round this of it. Is, this is, and, uh, how many of you played this round? Uh this one was uh was it everybody but Andy? I think it was. So that's what, 6 people? Five.
2: Title of your cover band for <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone but Andy.
4: Yeah. Oh what uh what is that? Uh, that's a BG's cover band. Yeah. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Oh <laughs> <ow>. <laughs> damn. Wow. That, that was a deep, deep
2: cut. Savage. <laughs> that was savage. <laughs> and and yeah. our Andy would be impressed. <laughs> Fact check's probably somewhere going I feel like I'm being called.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Yeah, we got destroyed again. So it sucked again. How, how, how many hours did you get in this time before that one absolute was suckage. about four going on five? All right, It was impressive. A little, it was a little close. It's a long game. It was really fun. The first time we played it, uh, at some point Paulette was like, "Give me that box." <laughs> Handed her the box, and she tosses it aside. Two to four hours, my ass. <laughs> yeah, I remember so, you said that. Yeah. Now, now this yeah.
4: is the third time you guys have played it.
3: Uh, is it the third or the second? I've already lost count. Okay. That's how long it is. Wow. So, yeah. Well, you,
4: you keep coming back for punishment, so I'm impressed. Yeah. Well, well, you know, he's then... A masochist.
3: W- then we also played Wrath of a Shardalon, which was...
0: I
4: don't know Wrath of a Shardalon. What's that? That's
3: uh, the D&D board game that uses a lot of the 4th edition mechanics. Oh. And it's tile-based. Kind of like Descent? Uh... Kind of, yeah. Okay. Except there is no there is no game master. They they actually ah. developed a game where everybody is in the party
4: playing, and you're drawing cards and you're drawing like tiles, the, like those old DND modules, the the solo play where you had to take kind the ma- the magic uh, revealing <laughs> marker for each room. Not quite, but yeah. No
1: graph paper needed for this one. <laughs> no, no
4: graph
3: paper. It's all done on the tiles. So it's 21st the century, paper. Carl. <laughs> I miss those yeah. days. But it uh, that was that was fun and we won that one, so and it ended with us fighting a beholder. So oh well, know, props. I, yeah, I I but, admire you now.
4: Yeah, that was my life in a nutshell. <laughs> well, last week I was talking about uh, the show sixteen and my the picture that I developed for that video game. It's the baseball game for the PlayStation Four. Yes. Uh, and while I was talking about it last week, it kind of hit me as like. Sports games become incredibly cheap as of the next year. Yes. Because they do not hold value at all once the next year's release.
1: Whatsoever.
4: So I'm like, why am I still playing 16 when I can be playing 17? The things will <laughs> cost like 20 bucks or less. Right. So I went, like the day after the show, I went to GameStop and said, I'm picking up 17. So I now have been playing 17 and I've developed a brand new pitcher. And I'm very, very happy with this pitcher. He's from Innsmouth. Massachusetts, <laughs> and I designed him to be very uh, fish heady. If you're very, if you're familiar with Lovecraft's story, and uh, and yeah, his name is uh, uh, Country Breakfast Dip. <laughs> Country.
2: Breakfast. Oh, you changed. You made a new one. I made a whole new one because okay. I was not
4: happy how that first one turned not, out. Well, he was. He was. He seemed too. He. he he seemed like a cartoon version of my original picture. There wasn't yes. much I could do with this. Oh, it. cartoon version. That's, yes. You don't want that. Yeah. We, <laughs> it was the same guy with but with a bigger nose. That's what
2: it wow, was. Wow, what I said about your character really stuck in your craw it, then. It huh? did. I was like, you know, this, like, this is not I working Because I him. said, I, like, I said, like, he looks like a cartoon character if this were a cartoon of a baseball game, except everyone else <laughs> in the game is a real-life player. So it's almost like the whole, you know. <laughs> Mario put, put the in New art, York? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... And apparently that bothered him. It was it Pee Wee Superbone, right? Yeah, the original, original was
4: Pee Wee Superbone, and it just it just didn't work. The story wasn't deep enough for me, so I, I, I redesigned it. Now he's a he's from Innsmouth. He's 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 trying to reintegrate with society by baseball. So he tries not to eat people, but no guarantees. No one's caught him yet. It's- but he has managed to join the Toronto Blue Jays, working up from from the Double A. So,
2: wow, because you were you were stuck in in Double A hell with with Pee Wee there. I was, I was, and I was
4: with this guy too. I played with this guy for a good long time.
2: Oh, did you? But uh,
4: but yeah. So I'm now playing 17. So I have two concurrent games going. 16 still alive because I still have heart for that original character. So. Well, put me in, coach.
2: I'm ready to play.
4: Right. I need them both on the same team to be able to <laughs> go between them, switch now, one out.
2: you can still import. Uh, I can. Okay. I can
4: take that original one from 16 and put them into 17. Okay. I just, for some so reason, you could, haven't.
2: So you could potentially have both of your pitchers on the same in, in the dynast- same team? In
4: dynasty mode, I absolutely could.
2: Okay. Yes. Or you could potentially have them facing each other, against each other on opposing teams, right? I could do that, too. Oh, okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Do we find out they're related at some point? <laughs> they very
4: much aren't. In fact, I have a feeling if they met each other, they'd be instant enemies. <laughs> Mainly because Country Breakfast Dip would try to eat the other one. So. <laughs> country Breakfast
3: Dip. I think, I, I, I think uh, Country Breakfast Dip should, uh, at some point, play against Randolph Carter.
4: Why can't I cannot remember what Randolph Carter is?
3: Oh, okay. Isn't he from he
4: isn't he from Lovecraft? Oh yes, yes he is. Sorry. Wow. I think, I, I brain, <laughs> wow. Yeah. You, I trumped Trump popped his I, brain. You did. Wow. He did. Andy I he broke so him. so disappointed with me right now. Yeah,
1: really.
3: <laughs> okay, cool. I feel better now.
1: Anything geeky you do this week? Carl? Well, as you guys know it's that season again. So mating season? Close enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I am prepping for Comic-Con this weekend. Oh boy. Man, you are um, a glutton for
2: punishment. I, you you, you know, and Professor Biggs both. I just I just, can't, I help can't take it anymore.
1: Um, have you missed one in the last bunch of years at all? And this will be my 22nd. Wow. Year, nice. But in wow. 25 years, I've missed 3 of them. Jeez. And, and sadly enough, have no had no plans for going this year. Only bought the tickets. So that I could be in the pool for tickets for next year because okay. we're hoping to go to Cancun. Boy, that's end.
3: dedication. Yeah, man.
1: Right. Wait, wait, you were hoping to go to Cancun? We're going to Cancun in October. Me and oh, okay. my wife are. So um, initially, me and my son bought just Sunday tickets. We're like, dude, we'll buy the throwaway tickets, puts us in. And about a week or two ago, he was like, so, Tom, um, you want to leave Sunday morning to get down there? I was like, are you serious? He's like, I need to pick up some Gundams. And I was like,
2: <laughs> all right. You're going on Sunday and he's going to expect to get some Gundams? Good luck with that.
1: The worst part is, is it made me buy a couple of Gundams on Amazon this week instead so of oh. my geekiness. So I've been putting Gundams together. I'm like, oh, hell with it. I'm going down there to go get some Gundams now. All right. So. I
2: went on a Thursday two years ago for one day <laughs> and I only went for like six hours just walking the floor and so forth. And every spot that I went to to try to get like Comic Con exclusives was the same line. It's like, oh, we're sold out here for the show, but you can still buy it online. And I'm like, then why the hell is it a show exclusive if I can still buy it online? Nope, you're right. Ugh, we, so we are not
1: going with any exclusives this year. No, um, smart. we looked at the. Well, smart in two ways. We looked at the exclusive list, and there was nothing that caught my attention. There's apparently a Prince Adam figure that my son wants. And I'm like, do you even know who Prince Adam is? (laughs) He was like, who's my dad? I said, fair enough. Yeah, Um, right. (laughs) (laughs) But this year, um, first year ever, and this, you know, I know I've been disgruntled about things off and on with Comic-Con. This one really just kind of got me like, ugh. Is instead of the lines this year, oh. where remember people were camping out for days in advance right. to get into the exclusive line, you actually had not only did you have to do your bid to get the tickets, bid for your parking, what, and now bid to be in line oh. for the exclusive items. My god, the bid closed out on Sunday, and I was like, I since we're not even looking, I forgot all about it and got the email that was like. You know, exclusive bidding lines are closed. And I was like, Jesus. Oh, that's cute. Oh. Wow, that's... Boy, they're just taking right. LineCon to a new level. For those Man. who don't know how Comic-Con works, explain bidding for the line. So, um, and this is the same with whether you're trying to get tickets to get in the line or even for parking. Um, essentially, is you are placed into an online room at a particular amount of time, Um, the line actually ran for three, four days. So Mm -hmm. it was an online room for four days. And throughout the course of this time, they give out numbers um, for the line to say you can line up for, and you actually had to go per, you know, vendor that you wanted to go to. So if you want to go to the Mattel booth, you know, you can line up in the Mattel booth at X, Y, and Z time on X, Y, and Z day. Wow! Make sure you bring your printout for it, and you're good to go. So I was just like, "There's no exclusive item good that God is worth that. Not even close. <laughs> wow! The he- I, I'll I'll pay the eBay price versus the headache if I really need something. Yeah, yeah, that makes all the sense. Ugh. Yeah. That was my geeky week.
4: <laughs> I loved me some Comic-Con in the past, but I just can't grok right now.
2: It's it's just, I can't fathom, I mean, it's like the the, the panels that I wanted to go to were always ridiculously long. Oh, yes. And even Hall trying H. to get into the, oh, I gave up on getting into Hall H a long time ago. That That's, and Ballroom 20 Those are the like, two biggest halls that like, they have. Yeah. Ballroom <gasps> 20 and Hall H were the biggest ones. Did you find the Prince Adam? And No. I just got to the point where I'm like, um, if I have to line up two panels in front of to even possibly think about getting in the back row of the panel and then having to watch it on the video board at it's the back of the God. hall, I might as well just watch it online. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what I came down to. It's because you're you're standing in a line with people of varying degrees of hygiene, um, <laughs> uh, for the Just, record,
1: folks, I shower.
2: <laughs> no, no, nobody in this room is, is offensive when it comes to con. But there are people who, uh, and this is not an exaggeration, there are people who sleep in their cars during the con. Mm-hmm. They don't bathe the entire con because it's a way for them to save money. Yeah, And no, I, I get it. I get it. But at the same Sunday's time, day. it's... I still it's, remember, and now It's an assault on my uh, nasal passages. Gaming
3: podcast where guys were giving advice on going to gen con or any gaming con and they're like look pack light you get your, the books that you need whatever games your your dice you know that stuff uh and then uh, the clothes on your back oh jeez and i was Christ. just i must like, find
1: those people Jesus. and end them right
3: oh my god it's like seriously i i can barely wear the same shirt one whole day. Right. I'm going to put it on the next morning. Fucking A. That was killing. No, what I nearly died over. Your, your
4: face just lit I know. I got to Go. see what you Carl,
3: you, Carl, send me you, You've got to get me this. Okay, send me for Tarna, a picture. Tarna from the heavy metal movie. Oh,
2: wow. Has
1: a Funko Pop.
2: Oh, no. Right. Tarna.
1: Send, Tarna. Me the, send me the picture. And I'll, I'll go look at oh, it. Gonna, it's going to be,
2: one, sold out on preview night, or two, it'll be sold out within 30 minutes of the first day of the show. <laughs> Jeff is such a feel-good guy. <laughs> That's
4: why I keep him around.
2: <laughs> I, I try to be positive about most things, but Khan He's has just there. taught me yeah. that repeatedly that I cannot hope to get exclusives anymore. Just, you just can't.
3: can't get the panels. Yeah, using. exactly. I'll have to buy it online if I have to. It's Tarna. It's Tarna, Jeff. That's, holy yeah. crap.
2: You're going to be paying eBay prices on that fucker. Wow.
3: <laughs> you really are in a fucking <laughs> mood.
4: <laughs> Happy birthday, 80s. <laughs> Anything else you do this week, guys? All right, that's my answer. So that means <laughs> yep. we're going to move ahead to news you don't give a shit about.
2: Oh, fun! Very quiet. That was for you, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do your groan, but I'll do that for you. All right, at the end of August,
4: two of the remaining three blockbuster video rental stores will shut their doors for good. Wait, there's still blockbuster. Yeah, there's still oh yeah. There. there are there are three. Soon to be one. Oh wow! Is it one Is of the them, one
3: like, in, in Alaska? Oh, yeah. That John Oliver sent the... Uh... Uh, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll get right all to right, right. that. The, the, all the, right. I'm the, shutting
4: up. No, no, no. you're it's all right. You're, you're asking the good questions. Hollywood Reporter spoke with <laughs> Kevin Daymude, a blockbuster Alaska general manager, who said lease increases ultimately led to the demise of these final two stores. Oh. The one in Anchorage <laughs> and the one in Fairbanks. Son of a bitch. Yes. Back in April, last week tonight with John Oliver, featured the remaining Alaskan blockbusters. At the time, there were three. In the segment, Oliver offered up movie memorabilia to the stores to help increase business, and he donated a jockstrap from Cinderella Man, worn by Russell Crowe, in addition to several other Russell Crowe-related He bought stuff
3: items. off of Russell Crowe's divorce auction. Yes. Wow. Thousands of oh, dollars. Wow. He, yeah. spent, he spent money.
4: Yes, he did. The Anchor Store <laughs> displayed these pieces of movie history. And Damute claims it actually worked. Quote, you would not believe how much business we got from the memorabilia alone. Unquote. (laughs) Yet here we are, months later, with soon-to-be-one blockbuster remaining in all of the 50 states. That honor goes to the store in Bend, Oregon. I'm going to Bend, Oregon. The Hollywood Reporter... You're going to Bend, Oregon? Well, we all bend it a little. The (laughs) Hollywood Reporter spoke to manager Sandy Harding about the honor of being the lone store left in the entire country, she said, quote, We have no plans on closing anytime soon. Where's uh, Maple I Leaf?
2: I thought there were, like, a couple still open in Canada, too. Uh, this is, I think, a stage thing. Well, yeah, I, I realize that for this story, but I, I thought there was, like, one or two. In see,
4: see, we lose out by not having the Canadian on the, yes. on the, on
1: the floor for He's international... He's probably not even listening to the show. No. Did anyone yesterday? think to call this lady who said they have no plans on closing anytime soon and let her <laughs> know that the other thousands had no
0: plans <laughs> <laughs> of closing anytime soon
4: <laughs> so if you need your blockbuster memorabilia i recommend a quick oregon trip right. will my card
1: still
0: work there yes i still actually should. have it, my yeah, card.
2: yeah why shouldn't it you'd probably just a little transfer yeah i probably have one in a box somewhere i don't know <laughs> sometimes i would just discard them in like a like a drawer and then when it was time to move or whatever, I just dump the drawer into, it, into a box and put it in the truck. So the question so might is who, have one still myself.
4: Who gets Russell Crowe's jockstrap?
2: They're probably going to auction it off. Uh, yeah.
1: Again?
4: <laughs> probably.
2: <laughs> probably. Sure. Russell
1: might want that back.
4: News <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't give a shit about. I'm glad you're here, because this is kind of a Superman story. Oh, good. News no, you don't give a shit about Brian Michael Bendis made his DC Comics debut in April with a story in the landmark Action Comics 1000. oh Marking the start of a run with Superman that's his first major project with the company after years with Marvel Comics. Bendis's ambitious Superman stories kicked off with the introduction of a new villain, Rogal Zarr, and will encompass the new Man of Steel miniseries as well as work on both Action Comics and Superman. Bendis is just beginning. But he clearly has plans for The Man of Tomorrow. And apparently, one of those plans includes the often mocked villain from 1987, Superman for The Quest <sighs> for Peace, Nuclear Man. Oh my God. Yay,
1: give oh, him some dignity. My stomach just hurt. <laughs>
4: Bendis is introducing Nuclear Man into the pages of DC Comics for the first time more than three decades after the character appeared on film. And it's the result, apparently, of a fan challenge. Uh, in the film, Nuclear Man, played by Mark Pillow, is created after Lex Luthor, Gene Hackman, attaches a strand of Superman's hair to a nuclear missile and launches it into the sun. This generates the solar-powered supervillain with his jagged N costume and silver claws that crackle with radiation energy. That's how he came about? And are apparently dangerous enough to how severely injure Superman that? with a single scratch.
2: Oh I never man. saw it. That's okay. Yeah, you You didn't miss a thing.
4: Superman Four was a commercial and critical failure, derailing both Superman film franchise and the career of Christopher Reeve. And so Nuclear Man was never revisited. During a takeover of DC Comics' Instagram account, uh, Bendis revealed that it's finally time for the villain to make his return. Bendis didn't reveal exactly how Nuclear Man will be introduced to DC Comics or how long he'll be around, or whether he'll even have a major impact on the run, but he is ready to hit the pages of
1: Superman Number Two this August. Before I start, are we a family-friendly podcast? No, nope.
2: go cr- go crack. You can you can swear to your fuck, fuck,
1: desire. fuck, bullshit, <laughs> fuck.
2: This is bu- I call bullshit up the <laughs>
1: ass. So, first question I have: Yes, does. Adaptation of a movie that's in the comic book count as being introduced into a comic. Uh,
2: I mean, I suppose they could introduce the character without referencing anything from the movie
1: because
2: if it's done well,
1: there was an adaptation made of Superman Four in two different comic book forms. Whoa. Sadly, I have that shit.
2: I have <laughs> to have do. all. I, it doesn't surprise me that you have those second.
1: Uh, and I love Brian Micah Bendis. I do. I appreciate his work. Um, I've read the new Man of Steel kickoff he did, the oh, six okay. issues. This new villain. That Rogel Dahl? Served on. almost no purpose. Oh. It was the means to try to explain and rewrite, actually. Be clear. Spoiler if anyone hasn't read it. Rewrite how... Krypton was destroyed Ah!
4: oh yeah so little
1: retcon action uh, horrible retcon uh, they don't even explain how he did it just that he was responsible for the destruction of Krypton the guardians of the galaxy not guardians of the galaxy <laughs> the um, <laughs> guardians over. of the universe try you know told him he couldn't do it even though they had used him yeah to I saw destroy that. countless other planets and he said yeah whatever and did it anyway And in results, he ends up where everyone else does, the Phantom Zone. Um, I have not picked up the new Superman issue number one. It comes out this week. So, yeah, this week it comes out. So, hopefully... This is your your lead-in to Nuclear Man. Yes. Hopefully, this will get us somewhere. The Nuclear Man concept. Nuclear Man was a movie riff take of the original character, Kryptonite Man. They just couldn't find a way to work it as with kryptonite and justify how Superman would come back from that fight in a movie form.
3: That's so they went with the genius maneuver of a piece of hair on a rocket. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that explains it.
4: On a rocket that Superman threw into yeah. the sun. Into the sun. Yeah. Um he did it himself.
2: He did it to himself? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just...
1: And the unfortunate part, and we we dealt with this with Grant Morrison with his run on the Justice League. We dealt with this with um, McDuffie's run. A lot of things is you get these great writers that get to step in and get their take on it, but their take never lasts, and we end up retconning it. Yeah, a year or so later. Sure. So, I just I would like to see him take existing characters take storylines that maybe didn't have a good wrap-up or characters that weren't treated accurately in the last you know, 20 years, and there's plenty of them to go around, especially coming off of the new 52. Let him have a crack at that and course-correct the written DC universe versus him introducing a bunch of new characters that are going to end up being nothing along the way. That's just... It got, fuck! God, <laughs> sorry. Wow. <laughs> I feel for you.
4: Okay. Well, you know that Bendis has got that contract that he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. But so, it's the only way that DC could get him.
1: So well, did Mark yeah. Wade. Uh, so did Grant Morrison. Right, Ah-ha! Right. Uh, I mean, so there. But essentially, <laughs> when, so, what ends up happening with them? We end up defaulting back to Juergens or John Byrne stuff. You know, We always end up going back and referencing what was done before them. Hmm. So...
2: We're going back to the well. Well's dry. Well, we'll
1: we'll dig deeper.
3: (laughs) I like Bendis, but I have to admit when I was reading that because I always liked the tragedy of Krypton. Yeah, you know that it was just it was just going to happen, and they were ignoring this phenomenon, and that was it. But now that
2: it's 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 it strikes close to home. With the way our sure Earth is sure. is slowly dying, it and, could happen yeah. to us. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Now, now, Except now we like, don't have a rocket to send a you know, you know potential other world savior well, into the. Yeah. We have the, a the president
4: universe. that's going to take care of everything. Just that's oh, true. Okay.
2: That's right. That's You're true. I'm right. Thank I'm you, sorry. Putin. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
3: but uh, <coughs> <clears throat> yeah. Well, you said president, ah. right? Okay. <laughs> that was cool. Um, but ah. you know, th- this whole Krypton was deliberately destroyed. As soon as I I, I read that in some promo stuff. And then i saw the issue i flipped
1: through it i was just like um mm, eh. and the thing is if he has a bigger plan it'll be you know we'll see if there's a payoff like one of the things that took place in these books is with little to no ramification they destroyed the city of kandor
3: oh i uh oh wow yeah
1: like literally guy breaks into the fortress of solitude says kandorians and then the next panel Superman shows up and he's like, They're all dead. Uh-huh. And it ends the entire storyline with them doing the floating candles for the people of the city of Candor. Like Hm hmm. Really?
0: Candor? Yeah. Like
1: that's been a staple mark yeah. of the Superman Brainiac. Boy. And that's kind of
4: a quick and easy way of just yeah. getting rid of it.
3: I think it. you're right, Carl. I'm sensing a, uh, another DC reboot in a couple <laughs> years.
2: <laughs> Let's throw away all the past and just ignore it. <laughs> yeah. Destroy everything and start new. The new oh, 42. Wait,
1: th- this was
3: on Earth Bendis. <laughs>
1: Earth Bendis. <laughs> I will say this much. The one thing that did come out of his is, as everyone knows, the big headline that was also with Action 1000 is that he was going back to having the red briefs they actually wrote in why he go, why he's back to the red brief so and they did it pretty decently they removed lois and his son are going on some cosmic trip with his dad who again spoiler if you guys didn't as, know as, jorel's back uh, um, yeah. Oh yeah i saw that and I so he gave lois his superman suit that he had been wearing without the brief saying that it was an armor that oh, Kind of take care of you and keep you updated and she's like well, what are you wearing he's like i'll find something and he pulls out the old suit so ongoing comics are truly the soap opera of <laughs>
4: man <our> little boys <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm, okay
4: but you've never seen superman 4k
3: no how did I, that happen dude i saw um, superman 3 <laughs>
4: That's how it happened. He was warned off. You it. didn't yeah, know that he could go lower?
3: Yeah. <laughs> as soon as I saw Nuclear Man in the TV promos, I was like, eh. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. The the missiles in the net that he throws. <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, eh. So, it, you know. But John Cryer. Right? Kay gave it it's no chance for redemption. Oh. He's like Superman 3. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it? I remember an interview with Christopher Reeve, and I don't know if it was after four. It should have been after four, but I, I, I hate to think that it was after three, because he, he participated in writing four Correct. or something. Yeah, he. And, uh,
2: well, the only way they could lure him back yeah. was with the promise of you know trying to establish world peace and, in the and, in the Superman universe. Yeah, and he's
3: he's talking about the the I. He's talking about the next movie, and he goes, "Yeah, there were some problems with the last one, and it was just like, yikes." <laughs> I, I think it was.
2: I think the interview you're talking about was prior to, if you'll pardon the pun, uh, <laughs> Superman <laughs> four, because yeah, yeah there they, there were there were issues with, with Superman three oh, that as good you know. God. Like, I Richard
1: Pryor not being sober the whole time.
2: Well, that and him not even realizing... He just, like, I don't even know why I'm in this movie. Yeah. Well, you know, that's
3: an awfully good sentiment to have. <laughs> well, no, he just,
2: like... He's he like was
3: there because ba- Margo was banging him. That's well,
2: it. yeah. But, you know, wow. I mean, all the major changes it with it. Like, you know, that weird computer system is was originally supposed to be Brainiac, I guess, in some of the early scripts. And mm-hmm. then that got... You know, thrown out, and it's like, okay, well, now we spent all this money. What are we gonna do? It's like, oh, hey, we'll just make it this super awesome, really highly intelligent computer that is just as smart as Superman. Yeah. Now, now uh, the, the, I don't know. The red kryptonite stuff was cool. Yes, that was cool. Even though they didn't but, really flat out call it red kryptonite, yeah, right? Yeah, In yeah. the movie, it was just
3: yeah. and and you know, but but him fighting himself and right. all of that business. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It, it, I did like
4: that. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. And what? I liked it as a kid. And I'm sure I don't watch why so w don't watch it now, because I
1: know I'm not gonna like it. You know like why it. you'll like it now as why? an adult? Why? That one scene when he's just sitting there drunk in the bar. I remember that's that. That's all you need flicking is Flicking the glasses. Yeah. glasses. <laughs> Hidden <Hitting the> beans <laughs> with the glasses. <laughs> Cause what you'll tell yourself is if you were Superman, that's what you would do even if you weren't having a bad
0: day. <laughs>
4: Uh, but as a kid, with that supercomputer moment, I w- I w- the little horror lover in me loved the scene where the woman just gets slapped with all oh. the biotic pieces. Yeah. When it wraps
1: her face and everything, yeah. drags
4: her in. And then she just kind of walks slowly out and doesn't do much. Yeah. <laughs> but that moment that they're slapping pieces on her,
1: that was kind of freaky. See, for yeah. me, the one thing I took from that and talk about a soul disappointment later in life, Is the part where they're trying to take him out with the missiles and you think you're getting a great Atari graphic moment. Yeah. And you realize when you get your Atari and you put the cartridge in, (laughs) not it. Nope. Not even
3: close. Not even. (laughs) Yeah. Too bad. Because you know what? Kryptonite, man. I really wish they would use Krypton I wish they'd get away from the friggin' Lex Luthor real estate scams. You know, and just but Kryptonite Ma- property, man. Yeah, oh, man. Kryptonite man, especially like with modern uh modern special effects, I think that'd be an awesome that'd be an awesome fight and an awesome character to have and just I
1: think overall i mean, and you guys know I love Superman. They need to do away with Lex Luthor,
2: period. Yeah. In Comics and otherwise, or just the movies? In the movies, I think in the movies specifically. In the the movies specifically,
1: but you know, wouldn't hurt to take an hiatus and just remove him from the landscape for a while. You know, Mm -hmm. you you do that, and he becomes more powerful when he makes a comeback or something like that. Especially with this new live action Jerry, what was his name? Eisenberg, whatever. Oh jeez! Oh, uh, yeah, that's just horrible. Not my
4: favorite rendition of uh, Luther. World not not of that one. Jesse. 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 Yeah,
2: no one's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like I, I watched the interviews and about him explaining his take on the character and why he performed it the way he did, and I'm like, okay, I understand what you are intending to do with the character, and I respect what your intent was. The problem is, that's not the core of the character. You know, you know. Yes, the the. The core of Lex is that, you know, he's he's absolutely fearful of somebody having too much power. But the fact that it drives him crazy, uh, it's a little over the top. You know, I, I don't know. Snyder. I
3: just wish they'd uh, they'd use Clancy Brown.
1: Or at least use his Lex as the basis. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that is... For that's, me, that's
3: the yeah. best Lex. Oh, but leaps and bounds. You know, and, all due all respect G Hackman, to Gene yeah. Hackman. Yeah. But... That, yeah, I I, the animated Lex time. is the best.
2: I, I totally agree. Fancy's Lex is the best.
4: News you don't give a shit about.
2: <laughs> the sexy sax man from huh. the Lost
4: Boys. Wait, you know I do that, care about this. You know the scene in the Lost Boys? Yeah. Yeah. Where I still believe is playing from the call but being covered by the shirtless saxophone sweaty player? <laughs> okay. I vaguely remember that scene. <laughs> He is putting out his first solo album Uh. 31 years after Tim Capello's hip shaking performance in the lost boys. He is releasing blood on the Reed*. That's the the name of the album. God. And not only will you get a brand spanking new jammed out version of, I still believe, but you'll also get your CD signed and personalized if you buy from his website. Uh, if you've never seen Joel Schumacher's 1987 horror comedy, uh, Capello singing and playing the song as a sexy sax man even though was credited as a beach concert star in the credits I believe
0: <laughs> uh,
4: he has also been a touring musician with the Hall of Fame likes of Ringo Starr and Tina Turner and uh, he can also be heard on uh, We Don't Need Another Hero from uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome mm. the sax in that song so Lost Boys sexy
1: sax man I'll buy this if no. I can get a lenticular cover. I knew where s- you can just move it and see him do the dance. Oh yeah, uh. just the, the holding up and <laughs> yes. yes,
4: just doing that shake. I knew somebody here would care. Somebody here would care about this one. <laughs> okay. I, and that somebody's me. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I bought the CD. Did you Did really? you really? Not only did I buy the CD last night when I found this news, I bought a t-shirt to go along with it.
0: What?
4: <laughs> so I have a sexy sax man shirt coming. Wow, oh as well God. as the CD, and I'm very, very happy by this. I,
2: I don't know whether to be disappointed in you. You don't or, even remember him, don't I want to know? I don't, I know. don't really. <laughs> don't judge me. Don't, <laughs> I'm trying not to. I'm going
4: to wear the Sexy Sex Man shirt proudly, because I love the Lost Boys for many, many things. Oh, well, yeah. It's It's a fun comedy adventure. It's vampires, both scary and non, and... And their sexy sax man. This the weird scene that just doesn't seem like it belongs in the movie for some reason, but that's that's where our two main love interests meet each other and catch each other's eye, while listening to the blood on the reed sounds of shirtless, sweaty sax. That dude. was
3: that was so weird. The eighties, the the horror comedy, or the, the violent comedy, or the action movie with the comic elements. Because I, I personally think that was kicked off by Forty Eight Hours. Ah. uh, my opinion, but that okay. kind of, sort of, like set up the '80s. But you, you have the humor, but you have stark violence that really transcends the humor. And you, you know,
4: you know I think I can throw one behind uh, Forty Eight Hours. Uh, the American Werewolf in London. That that was before. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure that's before 40 Yeah, because d- d- that's
3: that's the iconic. Yeah, that's that's you know. the comedy horror movie. Mm, right. Right. And and okay. Well, they didn't have a musical performance. This is true. But they did have the transformation during uh, the, Bad Moon. Yeah. And and that is
1: <laughs> fantastic. I'm trying but, to date the Evil Dead too. Was that? way after?
4: The Evil Dead 2 is after that. Yeah. Huh? Yeah,
3: and I would also I would put that in a different category simply because it it was it was kind of indie as opposed to mainstream, mainstream. as as opposed okay. to mainstream. Cuz one of the points I was getting to is they also seem you have to have one live musical performance in the movie. Like 48 hours, you, you had the Bus Boys. Right. You know, you had one live performance (laughs) where they kind of played and it was just it it was so it was what a weird combination of elements and it was like you know because then you think uh batman which is the 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 violence changes there but you gotta have a music number in there and you you
1: i like the museum scene you know
3: and then uh uh and then that 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 trend was there so when spider-man came out wasn't it macy gray
1: i think was in the <laughs> yes. first spider-man she, the um the, the, the yeah. carnival oh, not carnival the um what was the thing with the floats and stuff yeah yeah the parade. and it, yeah the parade thank you
3: yeah and it was it was uh, it was so funny because it was just like uh they're trying to replicate prince and you got to have a musical, and it was, it was just weird. And I
4: think that's what really weirds me out about The Lost Boys versus these other films because when they had these live performances, they were by established artists or artists they were trying to establish. Right. The bus boys were really tight with Eddie Murphy. They would open up for Eddie Murphy's concert. Right. That's true. So, in this case, this guy <laughs> in The Lost Boys who's doing this live music piece, the only one in the movie is not an established artist, doesn't even have an album. He's, he's basically a backup artist. He was hired to be a sexy sax man and, <laughs> and act like he's fronting this group that these two people can meet at. And these, and the song is a remake of another song by The Call, which was featured in another movie. I still believe that song
0: yeah.
4: was featured in an earlier film, The Whoopi Boys, Right. the original version. We're going back to the Wolfie Boys here. That's where I first. Wolfie Boys, the Lost Boys. It's where I first heard that song. So when I saw it in this movie, I'm like, "This is weird that I know this song that Sexy Saxman is playing." So that whole thing's weird. Yeah.
2: On a on a side note, because we've now talked about Wolfman and vampires, I actually got a chance to watch uh, Monster Squad again, Ah, like the first time in over 20 years the other night. Scary Goonies. And. It was fun. I still had fun with it. I, I was surprised because I thought uh, it's, it's very dated. I don't know if it's going to hold up. But Dude, if you it watch it if you watch it thinking of it in the perspective of how would kids <laughs> tackle the problem of you monsters that they're obsessed with suddenly finding out that they are real and how do you deal with them? It it, it holds up in my eyes, but maybe, you know, maybe it doesn't to other people. But I still no, had fun with it. Monster Squad is a cult classic. I really wow. enjoyed it. It's a fine film because Wolfman's got Nards, which is, I guess, the name of a documentary that's out there that I am trying to find to watch because it's not on Netflix or uh, Amazon uh, Prime Video. Oh,
3: it's it's not just a a Paul punchline.
2: No, (laughs) Wolfman's got Nards is uh, you know obviously the line from from the uh, you know the Monster Squad, but they did a there was a documentary about horror films. Through the lens of that movie, uh, uh, of the you know Monster Squad, so that's why they, it's got the name. You know, Wolfman's got Nards as the title, but uh, it's out there and apparently it's getting rave reviews. I wanna, I wanna check it out because I do love me some you know documentaries about would, hmm. cult films that I enjoy. So, yeah. What were we thinking about the Lost Boys? uh <laughs> <laughs> sure. Oh, sure. Really, you're not through. That's yet.
4: really weird about that soundtrack. That is probably the film most known for its soundtrack that absolutely had no hits from it.
2: Oh, okay. I
4: mean, it's got uh, Cry Little Sister. It's got I Still Believe. It's got People Are Strange, a cover of The Doors version, I believe. Yeah, I was going to say, that didn't... But it's a cover, so... Yeah, and and that is a show that when... It's kind of like... breakfast club where there are songs throughout that movie that you're like when you when you see it you're like yeah this is where that song plays Yeah, lost boys is very much this is where that soundtrack plays you know that movie from its soundtrack that's almost true. as much uh, another fine example of that is fright night another mm. movie that's that's very much in its soundtrack which yeah. also really didn't have any hits
2: yeah i'm i'm actually looking at the track list of that right now uh, of uh, lost boys soundtrack it's weird because you've got In Excess, Lou Graham, Roger Daltrey. It's an amazing soundtrack. Echo and the Bunny Man. And then the rest it's filled in with names that you probably wouldn't recognize right off the bat. But I mean, the fact that you've got one, two, three, four big names right on the first few tracks, it surprises me that there weren't any hits.
1: It surprises me because some of those songs, I know that they were remakes and stuff like that, but I only know it from that movie. Sure. Okay. Like, I'm sure over time, I realized that it came from something... Earlier or so, but
4: right before I knew all that much about The Doors, this is how I was introduced to People Are Strange.
2: Before yeah, it is the exactly.
1: it's the, it's the only It's the version that plays in my head when
4: I hear it. Yeah.
2: So, but it's it's that, really yeah, That's Echo and the Bunny Men doing People yeah. Are Strange. Huh. So, yeah.
4: So, I wanted to share if you're fans of The Sexy Sax Man, uh, Tom Capello, <laughs> this is your chance to get his first CD 31 years after we saw him, sweaty.
1: I still need that lenticular.
4: <laughs> yes, you do.
1: Yes, you do.
3: Weekend geek.
1: Woo-hoo. Aha!
4: Marvel Studios' Black Widow film has a director. Green light.
2: Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Green light.
4: Kate Shortland, the Australian filmmaker best known for the post-World War II drama *Lore*, will helm the feature starring Scarlett Johansson as Natasha Romanoff. Uh, Shortland's hiring caps off months of searching that saw Marvel reportedly meet with as many as 75 different filmmakers for the project. Wow. With Johansson reportedly in her corner, Shortland won out, which means she will likely be the first woman ever to be the solo director of an MCU film. Good. Uh, Next year's Captain Marvel is co-directed with Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck, and Patty Jenkins was set to helm Thor The Dark World before departing over creative differences. Black Widow's latest draft is scripted by Jack Schaefer, who wrote The Hustle, and will focus on Romanoff's past before the events of the first Avengers film. Her time as a Russian agent has been heavily alluded to throughout the MCU, particularly in the first and second Avengers installments, and her solo film will likely explore that in much greater depth. Johansson will next be seen as the, character in the as that character in the fourth Avengers film next spring, and Black Widow does not yet have an official
2: release date.
4: Finally getting the Black Widow film. Yeah.
2: And I'm actually glad they picked a, a female director, too, because, you know, it's, you know, it's not that men can't direct films from the female perspective, but they don't do it as well. Patty Jenkins and Wonder yeah, Woman. I mean exactly That's I really was just going to say back. Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman and Patty Jenkins coming back to direct Wonder Woman 1984 I think is the title.
4: Just saying it just just saying yeah. that brings the soundtrack pounding
2: yeah. in my head. And so yeah, I'm like super excited that they reteamed for that. So I mean, yeah. Good on them for both getting oh boy that movie made. So I yeah. I
3: want to hear the, the the Wonder Woman theme. You know that, da- oh, da like, da, da. like, have it playing like on a TV
2: in the mall or something. Because, but, like,
3: but, but, I, I want a Simple Minds version oh. with reverb and yes, electric piano
2: really. and the whole
3: '80s everything. Yeah. Just give it the '80s treatment. Feature it in the soundtrack. Uh,
2: no, I was gonna say what they could do <laughs> is like. Apparently, there's a scene in the mall where um, Chris, um, Chris Pines Pine. Character. Thank you. His character is walking, the, and that's one of the still photos they released from the behind the scenes. He could be just walking in there, and then pass by like a set of TV banks or whatever, and not necessarily have Wonder Woman on there, but you could have like the instrumental version playing in the back, and it would it would be subtle fan service, but not detract from the movie. Is he
3: Steve Junior? They have not said, said
1: yet.
2: yet. I don't really know. What's going on with that? You know, I don't think anybody really knows other than the people involved in making the film.
3: I know that in the Captain America movie, they made Sharon Carter uh, a niece, I think. Right. Peg. In the comics, she was the daughter. Yes. And yeah. certain people have comments to make about that, talking about how awful that is. Which I'm like, you know what? He's not a 90 year old man. Yeah. He's a he's 30 something who got stuck in ice for decades. Right. So I don't think. But anyway, people judge. <laughs> but I really want to know if these same people are going to make a similar judgment when Steve Junior comes walking along and uh, Diana
2: gets. because uh, well, didn't they do the same thing oh, in Hook? I will judge. Wasn't uh, uh, Peter's wife the daughter of wendy in the move the movie hook you know what I'm, you, nobody knows what i'm oh. talking about i don't remember enough about hook okay. to answer this question
1: i don't remember being sober oh my oh, really? god <laughs>
0: yeah
3: something like that i can't remember but yeah.
2: I mean it's 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 been probably more than fifteen years since I've but seen nowadays, this movie, But Nowadays
3: people are just oh, they get all squeaked out about, you know, any kind of age weirdness, any kind of generational
1: weirdness. I think the weirdness would be I well, first thing I would be concerned about if I was Diana is wait a second, he got together with me and there was a kid floating around out there. <laughs> I'd be a little upset about that. Um grandchild? The other thing I would probably This <laughs> to be a grandchild or great grandchild Exactly. I guess maybe the weirdy thing would be is yeah, if, if I was Steve the third and this lady, I mean granted, if a dot was hitting on me I probably wouldn't say much of no but Right. But <laughs> like, oh so you got together with my grandfather <laughs> now you're looking at me like that? It just seems that weird from that angle There is that
3: I don't know. I got but a feeling they're not going to go that. He must be no. a nephew or. or but keep in mind,
1: we never actually see Steve die. We have no idea. Yeah. Ah, time ah, tunnel. The explosion True. throws him through time. Yeah. It actually, there could be. That would be Who yeah. cool. It could be the Bucky syndrome for all we know. <sighs> dun,
3: dun, dun. Winter Trevor.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Steve Soldier. All right, a little, little bit of sadness here. Uh, George Jensen, not Jetson, Jensen, uh-huh. the production illustrator of Return of the Jedi, died at the age of 87. Uh-huh. Jensen worked in the film industry for over four decades before retiring in 2003. In 1984, he received an Oscar nomination for visual effects for his work on 2010. Uh, Jensen began his career in 1964 working as a storyboard artist on Lost in Space and went on to work as an illustrator on such projects as Land of the Giants, before serving as a layout artist on Star Trek The Animated Series. Jensen then moved to live action and was the production illustrator, working with the art and visual effects departments to help visually express various aspects of production ahead of filming, on iconic genre films such as Escape to Witch Mountain, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Dune, Masters of the Universe, and Terminator 2. He was also vir- visual effects art director on Big Trouble in Little China. So he's the reason why those movies look the way they did.
1: Wow. Yep. You know what That's did awesome. him in? You're probably seen The Last Jedi. Is, it, <laughs> is that what did it? That's what did him in. He was <laughs> like, oh. oh. <laughs> right, you're, not oh. A, you're not a Last
2: Jedi hater too, are you? <laughs> yep. Yeah, okay. look at his eyes. Uh, yeah, I was gonna you know, say I, the the pause was enough. Maybe okay, you guys, guys can you can clarify throw away the problem. rest of the news and <laughs> <laughs> maybe you guys
1: can clarify because this is a problem that drives me nuts. And if you haven't seen the Last Jedi yet, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> right, don't so worry, yeah, we yeah, talked about say, it plenty.
2: Yeah. yeah, we already had the um, spoilery.
1: It's the it's just the Luke, and the, I I can handle everything else except for well two things, and no one can explain this to me. All right. First of all. Luke is pronounced as a Jedi Master. Mm-hmm. Who made that decision? What, just because he's the last Jedi left, that makes him
2: the Jedi Master? Well, he like, called himself Jedi Master in, in Return of the Jedi. Again.
1: Did that... You, you can just decide, because I'm pretty sure well, Yoda and crew were not going around. just call, Think about it. They wouldn't let Anakin be it's anything. because he well, was
2: the last Jedi at that time. <laughs> Yoda did
1: say...
3: You're not a master until you face your father. That's true. But, uh, on
2: the
1: other hand, are you going to tell him no? <laughs> Kyle told him no. He <laughs> tore the house down. No, it was just for someone that was supposed to be that iconic, and The Force Awakens built him up to be this way, that his demise was one powerful force illusion, for lack of better phrasing. And okay, I'm good. I told the kid, "I'll see him later." And now I'm vanishing, one with the force. That just seems very anticlimactic for a iconic character, and that took me completely out of the movie. I, I'll I'll, uh, wow. I, I'll respond to this one
0: on that.
2: I was gonna say because didn't it, it's funny because I, I have a lot of people that that bring that that up. It's like. You know, Luke's supposed to be the you know the most powerful Jedi, and blah blah blah, and and you know, and apparently he can project himself across the universe, but that's a strain and it kills him. I was like, well, uh, yes, a lot of the former comics and novels were thrown out, but that was directly in one of the books where he was able to project himself across there at a great toll to his physical health. Now, in the, I think in the book, if I re- recall, it didn't kill him, but. Uh, uh, 'cause I don't know the exact details i don't it's been forever since I had the discussion about the extended universe novels but uh but uh but yeah, so that's you know that's almost a nod to the you know the reason they did that being kind of a nod to the you know the stuff that got thrown out but still bringing it back in it was a way for him to save the save the people in the cave without necessarily having to succumb to the anger and have the actual full-on battle because i think he knew his time was was near and and for his, well he I mean he says in the film it's time for the old ways to die and him being the last vestige of the jedi order he, he probably felt like you know well i gotta go out for this to be completely washed away but if i'm gonna go out i'm gonna go out in style <laughs> you know
1: it just it, it, it just I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off.
2: No, further, no, sure you're, good, you're good,
1: you're
4: good. Yeah, <laughs> some please. good points.
1: Enlighten me on your because your 'Cause I'm trying I'm struggling with this one. With uh, what what part exactly you're struggling with um. It like I said, just and that, I that, understand that making him a Jedi Master or how no, no, he no, went not out. to make him the Jedi Master. That one just was like oh, oh, okay. okay, who made that decision? But it it just the the way he was underutilized in my opinion for the build up that they made to get to him and then would appear from a moviegoer standpoint, and mm-hmm. this maybe this could be why there's such an outpour. Is from a movie perspective, he's underutilized, and then simplistically, dispatch. He you know he does the forest hologram, or you know projects himself across the thing, across the universe, and everything else. But the end result. I mean, he doesn't really. He just kind of. Shows Ray a little, but doesn't really teach Ray anything. Right, I, I think purpose. that was
2: intentional. Yeah, because no, I
1: know, mm-hmm. and I get that, but it just the overall art, like the
2: end of his overall arc, just like I may well, not have been have happy to, with Hans, but <laughs> I, I, from Jack, from the hero's journey perspective, with that that arc, his <laughs> arc, mm-hmm. arc ended in Return, Return of the, of the Jedi. Jedi. He's now taken on that mentor role in the the storyline that they set up in Force Awakens. But when we get to Last Jedi, we realize, no, he's not taking on that mentor role like Obi-Wan. He's rejecting it. He does not want to teach her. So he kind of teaches her by not teaching her the old ways and says, you've got to go out and find your own way. The Force is open to everyone now. What do you think, Todd? (laughs) Thank you. Sorry, I keep cutting you off.
4: (laughs) The Last Jedi is about failure and its effect on people. Right. Everybody in that movie fails. Except for Luke. Luke has his final arc of non-failure. He failed earlier when he was taking on... Kylo. Kylo and basically accidentally creating the Knights of Ren. You have to go back a little bit to Return of the Jedi because a lot of people have this mental idea of Luke as this super fighter badass.
1: Yeah. No, that I don't... I remember Return of the Jedi, Thank you, thank
4: you. Because he wins by not giving in to hate, not giving in to... Fighting his father, right? Because he realizes if he goes through with it, he loses himself. He loses himself to the dark side. Loses his soul, basically.
3: It's a great moment when he looks at Vader's amputated electronic hand, and then looks and at, at his, his own, own yep. prosthetic.
4: Yeah, and 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 basically sacrifices himself in that moment. It's Vader that saves him. Yeah. yeah. And so he is the ultimate Jedi master in the fact that he is a pacifist. And has been since. He has not trained people. He starts training people uh, when he's asked to by his sister and best friend. By relatives, okay. And and that ends up scaring him because he sees the dark side growing. And of course, we see the failures of that in that film. He makes his ultimate sacrifice in helping everyone else escape. That is his what all he's doing there. He's he's doing two things, one on purpose, one by accident. And I think you're going to see this actually in the future movies, but I'm not one one to speculate all that much. One, projecting himself to buy time for the rebels that are screwed. And that he's there. He's not going to face down and battle this young person that he helped teach and make him become who he is because if he strikes him down, it's Darkseid right there. And if he allows him to strike him down, he's following in Kenobi's footprints at that point. So in force projecting himself, he is buying them time. And that strain, of course, is too much for him, and he just lets go. And in doing so, no one knows that has happened to him in this film. The only person, people that know that's happened to is Luke, and us as the audience.
2: Well, I think Leia okay. so, suspects because you saw her. Sure. Ray and Leia. Sure. Well, yeah.
4: So, what you have is the legend of Skywalker that out there somewhere, he has made himself known. He, came, he faced down Kylo Ren. Not only did he face him down, but he did it in a way that completely fooled, it gave the Rebels enough time to escape. Okay. The last thing the Rebels saw was him versus Kylo Ren.
2: Uh, and, and, yeah, you also play into that that, you know, he's supposed to be the most powerful of the Knights of Ren. Sure. And he got fooled and, by Luke, and you too. Have, and you have he f- at no point realized, and until have, it was too late, that, that he was not facing the actual Luke. Indeed. In and person. you have
4: the entire First Order witnessing this happen. Yeah. At least what's left of his group
2: of it. Okay. And, and so shaking you, their faith in him as a leader, too. So
4: in his trying to escape this whole idea of becoming some legend... He becomes the very legend that the Rebels need, the hope yeah. that the Rebels need to hang their future on.
1: new hope. Pardon.
4: Mind yeah. blown. How do you
1: feel uh, about that? I mean, I may have to go back and watch The only other thing, which is not... Yeah, I was going to say, how
2: many times have you seen it? Because it took I've me seen a couple tw- viewings to I've really... I've seen it twice now.
1: Okay. Um, I will also say not real thrilled with how they got rid of Snoke. I feel like we didn't get. oh, wow, it's it's so funny because
3: I love all of the defiance of expectations. It's like I went into that movie like, oh, okay, we'll learn a little, a about, little Snoke. about Snoke. This is gonna maybe be that's cool. It,
1: maybe that's my problem is. and
3: and then and then they just did that, and I'm just sitting there, I was laughing to myself because I'm like,-, ah! especially like when he comes yeah. in. yeah, and and Snoke's there, and his tongue's hanging out of his fucking <laughs> mouth, and his eyes are rolled up. It was just like, this is fucking great. Um, I just love it. And that and, and the parentage of Rey. Yes. It, I, 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 I did like the parentage of Ray. thing. Yeah, I, like, I ah. did enjoy the flips.
4: Everything that you expected in a Star Wars movie was denied you as a Star yeah. Wars fan. And you either run with the movie as it's going or if you have expectations set up going to this movie and those expectations get knocked down, then yeah, it's probably gonna bother and you you yeah. spoke yeah.
3: to that, Carl. You said if, a little bit before, I, I wonder if this is where most of the blowback came from. And I think it's true. I think yeah. that's exactly it. Because a lot, I mean, you understand, just as Todd was illustrating, Luke's pacifism. But I do know from watching shit on YouTube oh, that a one. lot of the haters <laughs> Wanted and you know what? Well, I wanted Luke to kick ass, but when they didn't do it, I was sort of like, "Okay, this is this is cool. I'm liking the subversion. I'm it, liking the turnaround."
2: It was what it needed to be to proceed with future episodes because you really have to kind of shed the Skywalker Forget arc. Forget the past. And
1: I was just about to say, I think that's where my problem came from, and I need to go back and look at it with fresh eyes, is I've always looked at Star Wars as a Skywalker story. Which is why a lot of people this one is not.
2: either loved or hated Rogue One, because a lot of people like myself that loved Rogue One thought, here's a story about these kind of disposable heroes that you don't get stories sung about, you know, or and you no know songs Jedi. sung about because these Logan. are the people that do what needs to be done in order to make the people that they write the history books about succeed yeah. you know kind of the you know the the soldiers you know the guys the grunts on the ground that are doing the actual Majority of the fighting, and then you know the generals come in and save the day. So.
3: I would say, Carl, when you have the time, marathon Force Awakens and go right into Last Jedi. I can do that, and just think about those.
2: Things. Uh Movie Bob's got a great one on Last Jedi as well. Oh yeah, about, yeah. Do you um, know about Movie Bob? He,
3: I know nothing about oh, this Movie Bob. Dude, Movie Bob does reviews. Actually, I'll call he it. He defends on a lot of stuff. He does film criticism. They're short critical okay. I'd
2: say critical analysis not yeah. cuz it's not so much criticism because yes. he's not bagging against No, I'm using it in that context. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so yeah, critical analysis of films and, and why a lot of the things that are portrayed in the films we as fans are wrong about because we bring our fan, you know, hopes into things and not realize and He addresses a lot yeah. of stuff.
3: Movie Bob and also movies with Mikey. That's another critical analysis dude okay you you need to look up on youtube movies with mikey okay and look up his star wars stuff and watch it in order because his first his very first thing when he talks about force awakens he he does a sublimely beautiful this is what star wars is all about and it'll bring a tear to your eye Okay, it is
1: famous. I pull up Movie with Mikey and Mikey Close shows up. I'm coming. For, I was going <laughs> <laughs> to say
2: I forgot about the movies with yeah, Mikey because Mike that one was really Bob. good. Movie Bob Those are two does a ones. very
3: good nerd. Because I think movies with Mikey, uh, Mikey, he's kind of filmic.
0: Yeah. But
2: okay.
3: But Movie Bob really comes in with a nerd, but a serious, uh, a mature nerd approach that I really appreciate.
2: Because I'm tired of the nerd hate, to be honest. Oh God, and I, I'm exhausted. I love when people bring out the positive things about. At
3: least, at least when Carl stated yeah. his yeah. doubts, yeah. he yeah. was he, he was reasonable, and yeah. we could talk about yeah. it. It's, and, a, it's not a
1: hatred for the movie. It just right. I, the best way you guys put it. It didn't meet the expectations that I unfortunately walked in with. Yeah. it's and if you really think about it, it's kind of the same with. Um, Infinity Wars. So I'm not sure why this one bugged me, whereas Infinity War didn't. Like, uh, I loved Infinity War, and I was yeah. like, perfect ending.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Crazy. Well, and Infinity War itself, it's, it's a film about failure. Everybody in oh, that yeah. film, except for Thanos, failed. And they failed miserably. miserably. And
3: even <laughs> Thanos had to make an incredibly yeah. painful sacrifice. Yeah. Did, I, it looks so it, One of the, yeah. the th- I guess, the <laughs> it thing really that kills me about about the hate is we are in the golden age. Oh, of yeah. nerd culture. Absolutely. This is our this platters
2: is, are full. Oh my <laughs> god! And we should the be, cup runneth over. And we should be enamored by that fact. And there's just so much so much hate out there. It's like, oh, you've given me everything I've always wanted. In my youth and my adulthood, and now I hate you for it. Yeah, and it's just like, wow, we
3: got more Star Wars movies. We got comic book movies that are big fucking budget, and And they're actually getting Oscars and shit. And it's just like, why are you so angry?
1: Yes, fans, we are taking over. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) ah, took us forty years, but damn it, we're here.
2: Wow, we got way off topic there. It was a good one though it was thank
4: you yeah. uh thank you mr george jensen for all the work you did <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love i love no seriously though his, his uh,
2: return his of the design, jedi amazing you
3: know ewoks might it kind of drive me crazy some of the forest stuff was cool but i love i love watching jabba's palace mm-hmm. i love yes. watching that whole beginning i'll i'll throw it in and turn that on and
4: watch it anytime i agree Sony Pictures has officially given the go-ahead for a sequel to 2009's horror comedy *Zombieland*. <sighs> the original cast of Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, Woody Harrelson, and Abigail Breslin will return. Nice. For the follow-up, mm, Ruben Fleischer, uh, who uh, wrote *Venom*, <laughs> is also coming. So, who's directing *Venom* is also coming back to direct. Nice. Uh, bringing in over a hundred million at the box office, *Zombieland* was a subversion of the undead genre. Production will begin on Zombieland 2 in January 2019 with a theatrical release planned for October of next year. Just in time for the property's 10th birthday. Wow. Nice. What that's a
2: cool? great Lex Luthor. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cardio. I, I gotta say, I'm really surprised that they're getting a sequel. And I'm, really? I'm glad. To, well, because as as good as the film was, you know, after so many years, I'm like, there's never gonna that's, be that, any continuation yeah, of it. But, that's a
3: good point, because it's like, it was good. Yeah. It was successful. So sequel two or three years later. Yeah. Right. But over this amount of time, it because sure. when I read that, I was sort of like, but I don't mind. No, I'm actually happy yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I was that's just, great
2: like, that's news. interesting. And, I
4: really enjoyed that cast. And most of this cast has blown up yeah. since Zombieland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's impressive that they've all enjoyed it enough to come back for it. Mm-hmm. One of the earliest pioneers in the world of action figures is prepping a nostalgic resurrection. Oh
3: my God, yeah.
4: Promoting a new line of toys at this year's San Diego Comic Con ahead of their debut in stores this fall. Mego Corp., oh,
0: the company wow. that
4: innovated some of the earliest cross merchandising action figure toys for cartoons, comics, and pop culture fans through the 70s and early 80s, is launching a new line of figures. Based on characters from DC, Star Trek, Firefly, Charmed, The Wizard of Oz, and more beginning this October. Under the direction of Marty Abrams, who inherited the family-owned business from his father in the 1970s, the company says its new line of toys will be sold under the Marty Abrams Presents Migo brand name. A little, little ego in that.
2: <laughs> yeah, a little bit.
3: Carl, have you watched Toys That Made Us? I have. Okay. I Yes. Because it, 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 that's I wanted to make sure you had seen that series because it's great and the Migo when yes. the, the in the second season mm-hmm. it's funny watching watching old Marty because he's a, he's a
4: hoot.
1: So, I'm sorry, is there more to read on that one. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay.
4: Uh, so the day Marty Abrams presents Mego and will be available exclusively at Target stores.
2: That was. That's an interesting Interesting. Partnership.
4: That makes sense to me. Only because I uh, can't... It was one of the YouTube toy collector guys that Paul got me watching way back when. Uh, but he had a recent uh, episode about the mess that the action figure world is in right now because right. there are so many people making them and no one has a place to sell them. Yep. Uh, and with the demise of Toys R Us. It's not just the demise of Toys R Us, but brick-and-mortar places are getting stuff in and getting rid of things so fast that and some things come in some things don't and it's hard to get your toys especially if it's specialty toys into a brick-and-mortar place as it is target walmart the places that are left And, and online uh there's no because it used to be that like hasbro would do an exclusivity, saying these toys will be available at these stores between this time and this time, and you can only get them at these stores. Toys R Us. uh, That toy store and stuff like that. Right. And that is the old (laughs) way of doing things where the new thing is like, oh, uh, skip distribution altogether, go straight to the source. Go to Hasbro.com or go international or stuff before that was kind of gatekeeping, keeping these toys company is alive and now that that's just spread so thin so i can see Mego doing this exclusive with target because target wants p- to bring certain toys in and migo wants to be sure that they're selling enough toys through it's very mutually beneficial
1: well okay. it's target
3: i mean at least you know it's 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 uh it's available everywhere it's you know some of those exclusives would piss me off because It was obviously like some chain or something that was trying to drum up business because, you know, it needed it. Whereas Target, you know, that's that's a pretty reasonable outlet,
1: actually. Yeah. So no one. I'm sorry. Is there more on this one? Uh, There is. But go ahead. My my concern is, is I'm assuming all present parties in this room at least have seen or had Amigo toy at some point. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Never had it. Wow. Fucker. What is wrong with you? I never dug the style. And that's (laughs) going to go to what I'm about to say. I with What's out there now between hot toys and things of that nature, which are higher end. Right. I think that the market for Mego figures is limited to collectors such as us. I, I agree. And I don't know that Target's the best selling for that. Because if it's being sold at Target, that means that they're making a large quantity of these. And I don't think they're going to sell well, because how big is our community that's going to target the shop for these? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. That is kind that, of an that's unknown That's a
3: good question. point. It, it, on the numbers angle, that's a good point. Because I think, I think that uh, the fact that it's target, the collectors can find it. So it'll be findable if you want them. Right. But as to the numbers thing and the sell-through... Yeah. I don't know, man.
4: <laughs> not only that, but if you've got a... I mean, Target's not going to throw a lot of marketing at this, but they'll probably throw some, Yeah, and Mego is back, and where can he get it? Only a Target. Yeah. And so I think at least for the beginning of it, it will be somewhat yeah, successful. I, mean, I love Let's Mego. see how it holds on.
3: I love Mego, but right. I have to admit, it is a nostalgic love. I mean, you pick up an out asal- asylum or a... or. A f- uh, four Horsemen, you're just Jesus. Yeah, because yeah. even
2: like I, if, when uh, Art Asylum was doing the majority of the Star Trek ships of the line and the the Star Trek figures and so forth, they were only producing limited numbers. So yeah, yeah they were available in comic book stores and some in retail and you know, and as well as their direct sales that they would do. But because they weren't making these huge mass quantities, they were still profitable. That's Yeah, I also agree that could be a concern because, yeah, they'll sell the initial ones, like you said, right off the bat. And then there's going to be, you know, figures sitting on shelves Mm. and then moving to the clearance aisle. Everybody buy Mego. what Target does.
4: Buy Mego. When well, he, you see Mego, buy Mego. In case you don't know Mego, here's a little history on the line. Uh, the line of figures based on the world's greatest superheroes from Marvel and DC, as well as Planet of the Apes, Tarzan, and celebrities like Joe Namath and Sonny and Cher. I forgot about those. Were man. common sights on store shelves in the 70s and now command premium prices on the collector's market. Not long after licensing a successful line of Micronauts toys, based on Takara's oh, sci-fi line I of the Japanese action figures, Mego reportedly made the fateful decision to pass up a licensing deal with an upstart new movie franchise by the name of Star Wars. Oh, God, you know, God, yeah. As Kenner entered the 1980s flush with cash, thanks to the groundbreaking Star Wars merchandising agreement, Mego languished, and the company declared bankruptcy in 1982.
1: Could you imagine an X-Wing fighter... In the Migo <laughs> setting, just yeah, that's, how much bigger that would have been. Pretty be.
3: big. If that's that's one of the. That, I think that's one of the good things about or getting it is they 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 went for the three and three quarter. Sure, and, oh, You, you get, rocked it. They you, knew that the 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 vehicles were going to be a major. You got a lot less cardboard. Let's just major, put it that way. Yeah, a major
4: thing. And now, f- four decades removed from Migos' heyday. Abrams and Namath are set to reintroduce Namath's namesake Migo action figure, along with the rest of the revived company forthcoming lineup at Migo's San Diego Comic-Con panel on July 20th. The, to- <gasps> the toys are slated to appear in Target stores and online, so not just there, uh, beginning July
2: 29th. Oh, it's going to be oh. online, too? Yeah. Not like Target online? Just-
4: I'm betting Target online. Okay, because
2: yeah. Target online I could see doing well because a lot of us nerds use those apps or the online purchase and then buy it and then go pick it up at the store.
1: That's true. In Target Online, um, even now, you can get a lot of discontinued figures. Yeah. Excuse me, and things from there. Um, You can still buy the Devastator. Oh, yeah? Um, Yeah, the Titans Return Devastator pack from their online store.
2: I didn't Hmm. know that. I Hmm. might have to look into that. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, because like Target's great too. Because yeah, if, if even if you don't have it in your local store, typically they'll give you like two or three day shipping, and it'll give. I think it's is it shipped to store or they'll ship it to you directly. I forget which, but because there's so many of these that do that, you know, buy it online, pick it up at the store. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's really good. All right, we'll do one more story, then we'll start
4: talking Ant Man and the Wasp. Neil Blomkamp.
2: Oh, I know this story. i this Has been tapped one. by
4: MGM to direct RoboCop Returns. Seriously? Oh, no, no. It it's gets better. Oh. A new installment in the 31-year-old franchise that began with director Paul Verhoeven's original RoboCop. Robo- RoboCop creators Ed Neumeier and Michael Miner are on board as producer and executive producer, respectively, with an unused sequel script they wrote years ago providing the basis for the project, although that screenplay is being rewritten by Justin Rhodes, who recently wrote the next Terminator movie. The plot has been briefly described this way, quote, Anarchy reigns, and the fate of Detroit hangs in the balance as Robocop makes his triumphant return to fight crime and corruption, unquote. Very, very simple. This project marks the first time since the original 1987 film that Neumeier and Miner are involved with the character again. Neither man worked on 1990s Robocop 2, 93s Robocop 3, or the 2014 remake. The script they originally wrote 30 years ago never got used for a variety of reasons, including a writer's strike, Verhoeven's lack of interest in doing a sequel, and other factors. But an executive, MGM, recently took a notes look at that script and noticed that it contained the plot point of a reality TV star becoming president. Oh, Blomkamp read the script, too, and wanted to get involved. Yep. He says, quote, what I connected to as a kid has evolved over time. At first, the consumerism, materialism, and Reaganomics that the 80s theme of America on steroids came through most strongly. But as I've gotten older, the part that really resonated with me is identity and the search for identity. What draws me is someone searching for their lost identity taken away by the hands of people who are benefiting from it and seeing his memory jogged by events, unquote. wrote. broke out in 2009 with the successful District 9, but his follow-ups Elysium and Chappie failed to connect with audiences in the same way. He spent the past few years building up his Oates studio in Vancouver and making a series of short films. He's also set to start shooting a natural disaster film called Greenland with Chris Evans later this year. The Blomkamp stuff on YouTube is cool.
3: And he also, I guess he's, if I remember right, he sponsored a lot of... uh, a lot of people going in there. Young filmmakers and yeah, making so, shorts, yes. Yeah, you search for that on YouTube and look at it. And they are. They're shorts, so it's not like you're committing yourself to a two-hour movie.
4: It's good stuff. Yeah. I, I've been a Blomkamp fan for every one of his. I've been, right. I have enjoyed Chappie as well. Yeah, me too. Of course, it helps that I like Diane Ward a lot. Yeah, probably.
1: Well, I'll buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> ah! You've what?
4: been aching to say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, what I liked, uh, I, I I read some of these same articles too. Is that it's it's a direct sequel to the original, and it's supposed to take place right after. So it so kind of ignores ignoring... RoboCop two.
1: But so they're ignoring the reboot
2: that they yes. did. Yes.
1: Yes. Oh wow.
2: Yeah, they're going back to the eighty seven film and continuing continuing it from there. So I was wow. very pleased to hear that. And you know, if it's done well. Yeah. I get it twice in this episode. Uh, it could be really, really good. No, so I'm excited. The, the pedigree behind it is is giving me a lot of hope.
3: And they bring in Peter Weller. That'd be awesome. It's like
2: RoboCop 30 years later.
3: <laughs> yeah, but it takes place the next day.
4: Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is the time. If you have not seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, and you do not want it spoiled for you, this is the time for you to tune out. Because we are going to talk Ant-Man and the Wasp with spoilers, starting right now, gentlemen. What did you think with spoilers? Say whatever you like about Ant-Man and the Wasp.
1: It was fun. Yes, I it it was it was
2: what we needed after Infinity War. I, you know, I I used that exact same line <laughs> at work the other day because somebody asked me if I'd seen it, and no, what I like it was like, you know what? I needed a light-hearted. Fun, enjoyable Marvel movie after Infinity War because Infinity War just had so many heartbreaking moments <laughs> that it was just like, like some that I I was surprised at how much it was affecting me because I went in going like I know it's a movie I know what's going to happen and I know that a lot of these characters are going to die etc cetera, etc cetera. and then it's still like when it happened I was just like I got something in my eye
0: um, <laughs>
1: you left her feeling some kind of way oh huh? yeah
2: I, I I felt completely like it was like it's like I knew what infinity war was going to be but i still felt like when i walked out of there that it was completely def- i just felt defeated it's like you know i knew these guys weren't going to succeed so seeing that absolutely i w- i totally agree with you 100 it was it was fun uh lighthearted it still had interesting characters and we got to see the evolution of yeah you know characters again because you know we didn't get to see much of him in um, uh, in Civil War or at least not enough to really have um, his character evolve but and I like
1: yeah. how they wrapped all of what happened with yes. him in Civil War yeah into it that was Marvel does a good job they nice little pretty bow on it
2: they do really well with the continuity I definitely got to give them that one thing I love about the Ant-Man
4: movies both of them uh, versus the rest of the Marvel Universe, is that it's small stakes on the larger world set. Right. All right. But, but it's
2: huge stakes for everybody yes, involved. Exactly, exactly. Huge
4: personal stakes for everybody. And the way that this one was designed and plotted was that everything was put into jeopardy for what these people wanted and needed. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, there were times when... Um, Oh, I can't. I, uh, Walt Goggins'
2: character. Oh, yeah. the
4: Came off as kind of like an A-team villain. Yes. <laughs> uh, but it, he eventually grew on me by the end of it. And, right. And that, that whole subplot. Can't wait to hear him go,
1: yeah, this one's going to happen today. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what gets me invested in the Ant-Man films yes. is that you, the characters make you like them. And they each have specific needs that butt against everybody else. And it's great to watch that happen
1: That's, and, yeah. and
4: end up in a gigantic culminated car chase. Yes. With lots of shrinking, growing.
2: And <laughs> I loved those car chases. I mean, oh my God, it could not have been better. <laughs> when he's riding that truck like a scooter. I was dying because <laughs> that was the most ridiculous thing I've seen in a film for a while. But it made total sense to it. Cause it's like, well, the truck's dead. I'm giant. I can't shrink back down. What am I going to do? Well, scooter time. Scooter
4: time. <laughs> um, and there wasn't a lot of development for, it, but I liked what I saw. The character Ghost. Yeah. And I think Ghost has one of my favorite costumes of like the last bunch of Marvel movies. Was I a love pretty that interesting costume.
2: costume. It's like white on white, but like with enough contrast that you're just looking at it going like, it's, it's like it's white, but it's not pure white. It's kind of dirty white. Like which, smoke. Yeah, I was going to say, which kind of lays into that character's background. She's like a former assassin, so it kind of played well on, you know, why that costume looked the way that it did from, a, from an art design standpoint.
4: Um, I honestly don't get why she had the costume.
2: Yeah, in the movie, I I don't know if well, that was she, explained she did, well. Or... Yeah, she did say that it helped her control yeah. her powers. Okay, a little bit. Then. It, all right, so, and it was just giving up over time. Yeah, it too just, powerful to she, deal with. All it's right. just yeah, it was it was destroying her, and all it did was slow it down. Her, you know, her degradation. Uh, yeah, a,
4: a lot because I, I was going through a lot of the like you look really cool, and I don't know why. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I gotta say, I was. I loved the de-aging that they did in the first Ant-Man and the Wasp. This one looked amazing. And seeing, um, you know... uh, Lawrence Fishburne? uh, Lawrence Fishburne was amazing, too. I was surprised because I totally flashed back to, you know, the 80s and seeing him in movies going, Wow, he looks amazing. And then seeing, uh, what's her name? Michelle Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. I was dumbfounded, especially when you know enough about how they do this de-aging process because they don't use a lot of CG, which everybody's like, "Oh, it just looks so fake because it's all CG." It's like it's mostly makeup and light CG, hmm. because that was the what they established in the first one with uh, Jesus. My brain. Just Michael Douglas. Thank you, Michael Douglas. Because <laughs> Michael Douglas, I, I couldn't it must be get an hour over, and a half into the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I was amazed at how good Michael Douglas looked in the first Ant Man and the Wasp, or excuse me, first Ant Man uh, in that intro. But seeing him again in this film, seeing Michelle Pfeiffer, seeing Lawrence Fishburne and going, I'm, I'm just blown away by what they can do with, with some makeup and a little bit of CG. Now it was still, impressive. still runs in a little bit of that uncanny Valley. And I think much. most of it, yeah, not much. I think most of it was like, you know, cause they're trying to do it while the characters are moving and so forth. There were times they had but, to look
4: for it and I was looking for it,
2: but I will say Michelle Pfeiffer's looked the best because like that scene where she looks at herself in the mirror and it's actually not her and, and then shocks. And then he wakes up, you know, and he's like, okay, that's weird to have this connection with her. But, uh, but yeah, no, I loved the movie, loved it. Although I thought the
4: Michelle Pfeiffer fixing ghost, yeah, was, was a real Deus Ex Yeah,
2: it really was. I, it was like really convenient how that she's like, nope, you know, she's. Like, I know she just tried to kill me, but let me fix her real I got quick. This.
4: <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, let's talk the uh, the two post post-credits scenes.
2: The, the first, the first one, first the, 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 the mid credit scene, scene. You know, that was so tough. I I knew they were going to have to do something along those lines, and it still I hit thought, you, didn't it? It still did because I was sitting there thinking, okay, maybe, maybe this will be the 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 final, you know, at the very end, the 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 post credit scene instead of the mid credit scene. But you know, when it happened, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like. Okay, this is. Oh, I was like, "Oh shit! This is why they're gonna explain why he's not in Infinity War." And yeah,
1: ugh, ugh, pain. Yeah. When I saw even even the whole theater I was in, even though we knew it was coming at yeah. some point, you knew when you walked in to the theater that somebody's getting yep. dusted. And the and- way they
2: <laughs> did it too was so heartbreaking because he's in the he's, stuck. he's in the quantum realm, and he's like. You know, okay, guys, I got it. Guys? guys? <laughs> and then they go back out, and the, just the, the the ash, and I was just like,
1: fuck! Yeah, I was like, I knew it was coming, suck coming. Oh,
2: but I didn't feel it until it got there. No, and it I was, was everybody, too! Yeah, everybody. That was the That was the hardest part, because I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, maybe it'll be, you know, the mother and the father, and she'll be like, nope, it's all three of them. Man. <laughs> Shit.
4: <laughs> Shit. Although, guys, although he was in there grabbing, if I remember right, the quant, healing, quantum healing think, particles? Yeah. Yes, for, for, ghosts. for ghosts.
2: Right. Which So I guess apparently she still needs to be stabilized but or something. But did ghosts get dusted? Uh, we don't know.
4: Quantum healing particles is a magic wand word. I just want to say <laughs> that. Yes. <laughs> right here. You're not wrong. And I'm hoping it's not the magic wand word that saves Avengers 4. Just,
2: just but... The quantum realm, being what it is, could be what saved Scott. Oh yes, in the in there because if he'd have been outside, he sure. might have been dusted too. But we don't uh, we I... don't know, but because time doesn't work the same way in there,
4: sure. I just don't want them to Voyager this thing.
2: Oh okay. Oh, where oh,
4: yeah. warp tachyon particles are exactly what we need to fix this issue.
2: Ah uh, yes. I guess we'll find out. In what eleven months? Ten months? Ten. Yeah. Ten. Commander Counting K, what do down. you
1: got for us there? Well, well, I
3: I I really want to see the movie now.
1: You haven't seen the movie? Yet? No, I had.
3: not I thought you did. To, That's I, why we're doing the spoiler.
2: I, talk. I did not get to this oh, shit. Oh,
4: Aw. he could have said
2: something. Yeah,
3: you. Could've. Yeah, no, I I was like, yeah, I, I didn't see it, so let's let's. I'll let you guys roll. <laughs> oh, well, like see, you now, said, now if you, you don't want to hear the spoilers, uh, <laughs> get, you know, get tune out, out, out now. now. So I was like, yeah, I'll just. Yeah, See, well, now I feel poop, terrible because I just brought up some of the most... No, 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 That's why I didn't say anything because I knew if I said something that the spoiler talk would become non-spoilery <laughs> and then
4: we wouldn't get anywhere. So, all right. Final credit scene.
2: Yeah, the very... The, the, the very ant end. drumming
4: scene. I've I've seen a lot of uh, complaints
2: about that. I was yes. hear,
4: hearing some, some of the theaters like, that's all we get, blip, I I
2: really? Same thing happened to me in my theater, like... What
1: else did you want?
2: A lot of people, people got dusted. A lot of people got up after the mid-credit scene. And a couple of people were like, what are you guys doing? There's a final credit scene. This is a Marvel movie, which I was like, I've thought that every single time I've seen one of these movies and people gets up, get up mm-hmm. and leave. And then I was like, you know what? I'm f- glad somebody finally said something. So The final credit, credit scene
4: is almost always a joke now,
2: though. Maybe five people sat back down, but the majority of the theater ended up leaving. Sure. and. I had very mixed feelings about it. I understand the complaints because it's like, wow, that's all we get after we just had this major moment. But at the same time, you know, it makes sense, you know. Here's this ant that has been pretending pretending to be Scott for the last, you know, basically a program three or four to days. Be, yeah. yeah, programmed to be so and is continuing to do what he was supposed to do because there's nobody to quote unquote shut him off. Right.
1: And, and if you watch the way that beginning starts, yeah. it actually pans through the house yeah, and you see that the emergency broadcast is on yep. and everything else. The so, world is in chaos. Yeah. yeah.
2: The world has literally gone to shit and it's like, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of the band played on moments. Yeah. And that's why I said I have very mixed feelings about it because it, it made sense for the film even though it kind of felt like, well, they could have done something else, but. At the same time, it maybe fit. expectations it, fit. it, like, could, be. it like, could be like it, I, it realizes something yeah. is going
1: on and it breaks its programming to become proactive. I, I don't know. I, I think because of the nature of what the Ant Man and the Wasp movie was, and how we said mm-hmm. it's a lighthearted, fun film that you yeah. needed it after it did hit that heavy point with that mid. I think you need it that. Funny you know. at the end of it, you know, just kind of wrap it up and be like, "No, we're still lighthearted." And sure. then the it would have helped if they hadn't
4: used that exact shot in the promotional trailer. The, yeah, yeah I mean, that's trailer. very
2: true. Uh,
1: yeah, um, and then with your the... final credit sting should not be in
4: your promotional trailer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then the what is it? The Ant Man and Ant Man and Wasp will return? Question mark.
2: Nice.
4: That was uh, a very nice moment. I was like, oh.
2: I absolutely loved the Michael Pena. <laughs> <the> scenes <laughs> just he, i was he stole the first movie I, you know, it yeah. like, it's like when he was doing the flashback stuff and oh, when he was on the, oh. the quote-unquote truth serum it's not a truth serum and he's like he's like you know tell us about scott you know tell us your relationship to scott lang or whatever it was that <laughs> yeah. he, he goes all the way back to the beginning he <laughs> goes that's not what we meant and he's like oh right so you know and then he goes on and he's doing the you know the you know, the voices for the characters as they're saying <laughs> the lines that he's reading. And I'm like, it's funny because it's like the character, but it's out of character for that, that individual. And just like, it's but, but it's his storytelling style. It's like, Hey, yeah, you want to be best friends? Okay. Hug. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. Ant-Man
4: films have a specific tone. And if the tone didn't work for you for the first one, this probably oh, didn't work for you either.
2: One. Yeah, it's it's serious, but without being too serious. It's like they know what they know what they're going through is ridiculous. They understand it, and they still have fun with it. So.
1: this that, one made me like. I'm sorry. Good.
3: I was just gonna ask. Better than the first.
1: Equal. I'm, to. I'm hearing I'd say equal to. I say yeah. it was about like equal to. Equal? This one did make me like um, the Hope Van Dyne character more because yes. I didn't care for her. In the first She
2: was hard to like in the first one. Yeah. And even at the beginning of this film, you could tell she was just like, you know, upset with Scott because of the whole, you know. But it seems, I don't you know, know, her character Civil just seemed better written. It, it I, I definitely agree with you that I think that the character was better written. I also th- think you had a decent character arc for her. In this film too, yes. whereas in the last one you didn't really, it was almost kind of like she was just a side character. She was there to be supporting a loved cast, yeah. That was going to be that, there. That somewhat trained him, but yeah. then now she's a full-on badass in her own right. And now that they're teaming up, they're both becoming more than you know, you know, you know, than the, themselves apart. Yeah. So the whole um, is greater than the sum of yes, its parts. Exactly. Exactly. And then, I thought you
4: said you didn't see it.
3: I know! <laughs>
2: but, uh, you know, I do think where, you know, you saw a sense of reality of what that character would go through because first she's just completely pissed off at Scott. You know, she's she's angry at him for what he did with Captain America and, you know, putting himself uh, and their, and themselves in jeopardy. Sorry. Uh, cap. Putting yeah, themselves cap. in, you know, putting them in jeopardy, her and her father in jeopardy, While he's off gallivanting, doing whatever, and then when he comes back, you know, he tries to explain himself, but she's not ready to hear it, but then softens up over time going, you know what, you know, here was somebody that I did care about, and now I'm understanding the reasons why he did what he did.
1: But I think that she was written and acted out. Because if you think about the first movie, remember the whole first part of the first movie, she's angry with Dad. Yes. She doesn't want to have anything to do with Dad. And just the way it came off in the first movie didn't come off as well as her anger with Scott. Right. In the second movie. It's essentially kind of the same anger,
2: but... Well she's yeah she's been t- betrayed twice so she's of course going to be much more angry with the person that betrayed Did her it the second time that's the true. second time especially after she's gone so far to repair her relationship with her father true and you know and Hank you know Hank is Hank he's he's equally lovable and and irritating at the same time throughout the film you know perfectly p- portrayed by Michael Douglas so i I, I really enjoyed. His performance, of course, as well. I
1: wonder if they're ever going to touch on the way he is in
2: the comics. Probably I don't think not. So. Gonna, they don't, I don't leave. Think they don't so.
1: leave the woman beaten out of the yeah, comic <laughs> Although
2: I do think they left the door open for his daughter because you know in the comics she's exposed to the pim particles and she's able to. Oh, you know, Cassie. Uh, yeah, she's oh, able yeah. to uh, you know reduce and enlarge herself without the need of the suit.
1: I, I I'm betting she plays a key role in, um, in Avengers Four. Movies,
2: yeah. Okay, mm. that's my I,
1: that's a theory I have, just based off of some stills and stuff that
2: I've seen. Like I wanted to be his backup, but he wants you. Aww. I, I yeah. do
4: have one thing with this film that is both a compliment and a slight against it. <laughs>
2: okay.
4: <gasps> <laughs> and that is, it is so tightly plotted. Yeah. That there is no chaff in this movie whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> no pee time.
1: Right. Oh yeah. No.
4: Yeah. Like, oh, I. Like I. Any. Any. Th- any reference in th- that you see in this film will get called back to in some form later on, and be worked into the plot in some way. Yeah, I or barely, at least be a payoff to a joke.
2: I barely made it to the credit sequence because I, I mean, and I, I hadn't been drinking much during the day, and I, you know, I because I was As setting Jeff up will want to do, and then I, you know, I had my soda, but I was only oh, sipping soda. it through okay. the, I was <laughs> sipping it through the, through the film, but towards the end, I'm like, fuck, I've really got to pee, but I don't want. To stop watching this film because catheter, okay. There was there was literally no moment that I could go, okay, this is not important in the film, I can get up and go. Yeah, make sure you make sure you
1: clear yourself before you go into the movie. (laughs) Everything
4: in this movie is Chekhov's gun.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah everything. And Definitely.
4: I, I think which again, kudos to writing such a dense plot. But at the same time, character moments to let breathe that are just character moments are okay too.
2: I'd I'd almost say Walton Goggins and his, you know, his crew were the closest you would get to that to, to being Chaff moment, but but it was an extra it was layer so, in, the, yeah, in the plot. Yeah, it was so woven into the overall arc, yeah. story yeah. arc that.
1: And you need yeah. theirs for yeah. the security company's payoff yep. at the end. So. Exactly,
2: but I did like them on the Truth Serum at the very end too. <laughs> right. It is Truth
4: Serum. <laughs> right. Like I said, it's a it's a compliment. And a slide.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I I agree with you on that.
4: Any other comments about Ant Man and the Wasp? I can hardly wait
1: to see it. You should. You'd really enjoy it. It is beautiful in 3D. Yeah. Um, I saw I'll it tell it in you that 3D. much. Mm. I saw it in
2: 3D. Um, it's one of the first ones I've seen in 3D in a while because the last few I didn't bother to go see. Yeah, in 3D. me neither.
3: Okay. I can. I oh, Just thinking about the trailer, I see that they probably made.
1: Like that scene where she's running on the knife looks mm-hmm. nice in three D and the quantum universe. Oh yeah! Oh my God, the yeah. quantum realm. Sorry, not okay. quantum universe. And um, much the like microverse, the first, <laughs> much like the first one when he's in the quantum universe. The second at the end in the post edit post credit scene, take a good look at it. Yeah, you just like Ed, You may have missed in the first one where it shows eternity. Um, if you watch this one, you'll see oh, something in it, too. okay. Mm-mm. Okay. Cool. All right, what did you think
4: of Ant-Man and the Wasp? Write to us, comments, at UglyCouchShow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And Big Black. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Thanks. Carl, it's so good having you back. Thanks hey, for being always here. Always here when you guys need me here. Your hey,
3: are Some good comics and toys insight. Well, yeah. you're
1: welcome anytime, you
4: know. Comic, toy, Superman, yeah, We got to talk my, about Last Jedi again. Yes, we
1: did. Huh? We? I'm only welcome when my wife lets me out the <laughs> house. Oh,
2: yeah. Well, there's that. She's you know. coming around. <laughs>